Well, we're back. Hello, everyone. Uh, we made it to season two. So if you didn't know, we're doing a thing that's called seasons. So uh, also, hi, we're two nerdy birds. I'm Jade Princess and I'm back again for another season. She's committed. She's in my wonderful co-host, Gigi Ren. Hello, Ren. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? Hey, it's season two. It's great. Season two. Can you can you believe it? We did it. We put a whole I, season in the bag. A whole season. A whole season. And this season will be uh, bigger and better with more explosions. So I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to have to find a good explosion sound file, <laughs> and we will we will use them liberally. Yeah, I used so, it myself. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Clip there it. Go. It's good. It's yeah, in. That's in. It sounds just like it. Just sounds have, uh, just like an explosion. We uh, we're really excited. We have a uh, Ren and I spent the last couple weeks between the season one finale and and prepping for this season, um, trying to figure out like where where we're going, what we're gonna do. We've got a, we've got a, a lot of good topics to get into this season. Um, if you're wondering what happened to Supernatural, make sure that you listen to the season finale of Two Nerdy Birds, uh, season one, mm -hmm. um, where we discuss what's going on with Supernatural, what we thought, the journey, and um, and yeah, and we're really looking forward to it. So Two Nerdy Birds, we're getting ready to launch a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Ren, what are you what are you putting onto the YouTube channel? On the spot, uh, commitment. On my, on, on commitment. <laughs> uh, I will not name any games, but it will be games. I'll um, really looking forward to just adding, uh, starting up the YouTube channel and adding some content to it. Starting off pretty light with you know some thirty minute uh, play, you know, gameplays. You know, just get people give people a sense of like games that are coming out. Especially like indie games is a uh, is going to be my primary focus. Indie games that perhaps uh, people don't really know about or no, it's really that haven't had like a lot of you know a lot of PR or anything surrounding them, or you know people are curious about certain games. They're just doing like some some thirty minute gameplay, like not necessarily a full like let's play. It depends. Uh, depends on if that's what uh, viewers want. Uh, I will be more than happy to do that. But starting off, starting off pretty simple. Starting off easy, kind of ease into <laughs> ease into the YouTube channel and uh, see if we can uh, shine a light on some of these awesome mini games that are out, and then take it from there. It's a great plan. Uh, that's I'm excited. What I plan too. <laughs> <laughs> So um, if you guys wonder, like, you know, where's the games, birds? Like, I, you know, like we we kind of touch on games and, and periodically do like a deep dive review on them. But, uh, you know, Ren and I talked about that YouTube seemed like a good place to kind of give more of a showcase to go along with the things that we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and also the channel, the channel is a place for us to maybe ha host some of the uh, longer form content that uh you know we run out of time within the podcast episode or even within a season to touch on so please give the youtube channel a follow uh 
Oh, I finally get to say it. Hit that bell to be notified <laughs> when, we, when we start publishing our videos later this month. So um, it's uh, Two Nerdy Birds on YouTube. And um, uh, but so today we're going to do things a, a little bit different. Um, we've we've got a we've got a pretty, pretty serious topic that we want to get into Um you know, that Ren brought up a really good point uh, that seemed to kind of that the topic kind of seemed to be losing some traction. And if you've been following along with us since our first episode, representation of women in predominantly male industries, especially in gaming, has been very important to Ren and I always. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we want to talk about today is the Blizzard. Uh, well, let's call them the right name, Activision Blizzard mm-hmm. lawsuit that's been recently filed. Um, so if you not, if you've somehow, if it's gone completely off your radar, so what has happened, It it's all been very, very quick. It's, it was just very, very quick lawsuit and then kind of quickly under the rug <laughs> yeah. swept. Right. So, so to take you, take you through this, this is, has been kind of ongoing for a while, but what really kicked it off is that just on just on July 20th, so just in the last month, um, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing announced an official lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. Um, so this lawsuit alleges the company housed a frat boy, quote unquote, culture that actively discriminates against women uh, that includes accusations of sexual harassment and unequal pay. And apparently the Department of Fair Employment and Housing has been investigating this issue for the past two years at Blizzard. Um, that includes many several testimonies and reports uh, about like uh, uh, this frat boy culture, including like drinking at work with with people going cube to cube to hitting on their uh, female co-workers. Also, shockingly, and shame on me for not remembering, but there was a report a few years ago of a female Activision employee who took her own life while she was on a company trip because she was continually being harassed by this supervisor. And it included him sharing nude photos of her around uh with other team members on this trip. So caught up in this lawsuit are several big names at, at Blizzard and, and, you know, Ren, you're going to have to remind me who each of these people are as we talk about them. But we've got like uh, Alex Afrasiabi, the former president of Blizzard, J. Allen Brack, who has actually stepped down now. Mm-hmm. Um, and as and as things progress in this timeline, you, you guys might hear some other names that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they're caught up in this. So yeah. that was that was just July 20th that all of this comes out. So then on July 21st, Activision Blizzard uh, released their initial response criticizing this lawsuit. Like, mm-hmm. that's a great that's a great way to start. I mean, the entire... <laughs> The they, came out, they came out saying that the department, yeah. quote, rushed to file an inaccurate complaint, mm-hmm. as we will demonstrate in court, end quote. 
That is their response literally next day. Yeah, which was terrible. (laughs) It was like I laugh because I'm just like, I can't. I can't fathom that somebody was like, this is the response. This is going to be great. And I can't wait to get this out for people to read it. This is this is exactly what we want to say. And it's the most tone deaf, awful thing that I've ever heard. Like, it's just like, no, that is not the response to give for something that clearly wasn't rushed. I mean, two years is a long time and it included interviews. It included like a deep dive into like everything that was going on there. And then to say that it was rushed and it's just like, that makes no sense. There is a such, there was such a huge disconnect between the initial response. And then it wasn't like they stopped there and like reversed it and said, Oh, Hey, you know, maybe that initial response was just real bad. No, they doubled down. And then they just kept on hammering that nope, this is this is this was rushed and it was well, you know it's a whole thing and you know definitely- yeah, admittedly the pre- the former president Jay Allen Brack did try to walk that back. Whoever whoever released that initial response, uh, obviously, like you said, was totally tone deaf. But then the then the, the former president, now former president. He came out with this company-wide email, unfortunately not external communication, yeah, right. say, saying about how he, they, he finds many of the allegations, quote, extremely troubling, right. and he feels angry uh, about, about everything that's come forward and that they're going to be holding meetings to help answer questions and discuss how we can move forward, which that's always kind of tricky tricky too but right. as you said the on the same day uh francis townsend who was the chief compliance officer at activision blizzard and side note the former homeland security advisor for george w bush she completely doubled down on the initial press release saying that everything was factually incorrect old and out of context stories (laughs) yeah like yeah like her response was ridiculous it was so bad to the point where she i think she what deactivated her twitter because it was just like you are a terrible like your response is horrible and therefore you are actually horrible because it's just like it doesn't really matter how long ago this stuff happened it's the fact that it happened and it was never addressed and you're just like well and your response is well if it happened more than five years ago man that's water under the bridge at this point everything's fine now it's just like no it's not it means that it's been going on for so long and no one's done anything about it and you guys let this type of culture like continue on without any any accountability no you know <laughs> no repercussions and like you guys just kept doing it you kept doing it yeah. and it kept getting worse and <laughs> as the chief compliance officer like ultimately she is responsible for making sure that everyone follows internal policies and external policies and regulations right right so if the external regulations say 
no discriminatory practices. Right. And your internal policies say no discriminatory practices. And yet all of this comes out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're at fault, right? Yeah, you have not so. done your job. Um, yeah. And she's just, I can go on about her. Um, but I'm not going to, cause it's a waste of time. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's like, well, like, every, so yeah, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, so we're not even done. This is just three days after. Three days. This is three days after. Because then after that, we have former CEOs coming out and apologizing for company culture. So people who are no longer there are acknowledging like, you know what, this was wrong. And Mm -hmm. I probably should have stepped up and stopped it. Then we have uh, an announcement that World of Warcraft development is slowing down mm-hmm. because of all of this. Then on July 26, over a thousand Blizzard employees sign an open letter condemning the company's responses up to this point. Right. And and <laughs> which especially mostly Tap Francis Townsend's response. Yeah. Uh, of saying that this is that this was, you know, oh it's it's wrong. It's inaccurate. Finally we get somebody who's sort of taking responsibility on July 27th. So it takes them almost a full week yeah. for someone at Activision or Blizzard to take external acknowledgement of and responsibility of this culture that is that is being alleged here, being reported on. So we have Bobby Kotick who on July 27th, he is the CEO of the Activision side? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's the, he's so, the main Activision dude. Okay. So, and like, and so really then he's like the main dude, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then he comes out and says, uh, our bad <laughs> for all the things that were said in press releases prior to this point. Um, we acknowledge some of these things that are wrong and we hope to address the company responses because as part of the open letter that was signed by the Activision Blizzard employees is that they made some demands, you know, that they were like, not only are you wrong, but these are the things that we need to see change here, including like having third party audits, including equal pay. Mm -hmm. Um, so he comes out and says, okay, we hear you, we acknowledge you. And so like, we, we're, we're going to start with this internal audit. Um, well, then the next day, Blizzard employees do a walkout. <laughs> They're like, it's all well and good to just say that you're going to do something, but until we actually see it happening. And so, yeah, they, they did their walkout and there is a whole you know, show solidarity throughout social media regarding it, you know, because it's, it's quite a thing, right? It's quite a thing to, to do a walkout, especially for some, you know, for a company like Blizzard and things like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's good to hold everyone there accountable um, because, you know, their values have always been like, you know, every voice matters and, you know, play fair, things like that. And it's just like, 
there's such a, you know, another disconnect, right, between your values and what you actually do in your company. So it was really good to see, like, all of these developers, you know, unified under this and, like, trying to hold their leaders accountable. And they should. I mean, it, it's rough because, you know, none of these places are unionized, so they're, real, they're really putting themselves on the line, right? They're putting their jobs on the line. They're putting themselves on the line. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to make, you've got to make your point. You got to take a stand. You got to make it, make yourselves heard in mass because it's, because if not, they're just going to ignore it. They're going to ignore it. Nothing's going to change. They're going to be like, well, you know, they're going to wipe their hands up and say, okay, well, we did our responses. Uh, so apparently that was good enough because now no one's saying anything anymore. So clearly pat ourselves on the back because, you know, we sent out a press release saying, oh, yeah, we did wrong and we're sorry. And it's not it's not going to cut it anymore because this isn't the only place where this happens. It is prevalent throughout the entire gaming Absolutely. industry. And it's like, I mean, Ubisoft know, right. just went under went all this just a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it was it was literally like just this spring or the beginning of summer where we saw an exodus of many executives from Ubisoft because of allegations of sexual harassment. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, like Riot just settled their lawsuit, mm -hmm. their class action lawsuit about claims of gender discrimination and sexual harassment against its female employees. So, yeah. um, and it's, it's like, I, I hope that this whole thing is a tipping point. Because it, it has been going on for so long and there really hasn't, you know, yes, there have been repercussions, but not to the point where anything has changed. I mean, we're in 2021 and the stuff is still happening and the games industry and all of that stuff have been around for decades. So you can only imagine how long this has really been going on. And yet no one has really been punished enough or been held accountable enough or nothing has happened and nothing has changed and people are still having to deal with this nonsense at the workplace. And I, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that it is a thing that is still happening. And I'm hoping, you know, that at some point, you know, now that it's blizzard for some reason, having it happen to Blizzard kind of hits different because, because everyone has always said what an amazing company Blizzard is. Like Blizzard has definitely been one of the companies that aspiring game designers have, have wanted to put, have wanted to go and work for, right? It's Warcraft, it's Diablo, it's Starcraft, it's Hearthstone. It's like all of these major games, you know, it's the BlizzCon, it's that whole community. There's this whole community of gamers and everyone has always loved Blizzard, right? Blizzard has always felt like one of those really good companies to work for, you know, a wholesome company that does awesome games. Everyone loved Mike Morheim. Like everyone loved all the leadership there. <laughs> you know, you know, they, they loved every all the game leads. Like it's always been like this big, you know, supposedly this big happy family. You go on campus and everyone's like, you know, everyone's having a good time. It's like super chill, but they're working on some awesome games and everyone, you know, their top five people wanted to work for Blizzard and to have this 
happen and just have the whole veil completely ripped off this this idea that Blizzard was a perfect place is, you know, it's uh, it's shocking. Like well, I especially yeah. as we as especially as like more and more comes out, you know, like with the exodus of the of J. Allen Brack mm-hmm. stepping down, recognizing that he wasn't setting the best example, you know, and, and we'll get to we'll get to the co-leaders that are right. replacing him. But, you know, and then I, I, you're talking about like everyone loves Blizzard and everyone loves the leaders, the leadership at Blizzard seems to be good. And, you know, we're, we're skipping over a couple points in our in our timeline. Um, but just just this week that we're recording, we had three other senior Blizzard employees mm-hmm. who have left the company. And that includes the Diablo 4 director um, who who has been with the company for over a decade at yeah, this he point, was there right? For a real long yeah, time. Yeah, Lu- Louis Bariga. And then mm-hmm. we have lead level designer Jesse McCree, mm-hmm. who, damn it, <laughs> people, I love, I love, I love McCree as an Overwatch character, and I was so tickled learning that, like. He was named after a beloved Blizzard employee who just had the best damn name for a cowboy that nobody could come up with anything better. And now, like, people are talking about, well, maybe we should rename the Cree because he's leaving because he's been tied to mm-hmm. incident reports from other BlizzCons. And then the World of Warcraft designer, Jonathan, Jonathan LeCraft, uh, mm-hmm. has also left. Yeah. And I can believe that you talked about in like episode um, two or three about the challenges that Blizzard has because of other leadership that had just previously left to start their own companies, like how they the challenges they've had with continuing world lore. And now we have this departure in the midst of something traumatic, um, you know, that that it really does beg the question of like, well, where where is Blizzard going from here? How does Blizzard keep going when you lose leadership like this? And what what's the problem? Like, why why was it allowed to fester and develop like this? That you have people um, in these leadership roles just continuing to perpetuate this type of culture? Yeah, I. I wish I, I wish I knew. I mean, especially for as long as it's been going on. I mean, I, you know, I know that this was only like a two-year investigation. I'm sure if they dug in deeper, they would realize that it's been going on for years and years and years and years and years. I don't know. Like I'm, like I'm trying to like trying to like wrap my head around it, right? Like how how something like this could get as bad as it did, right? Because you know then. The news story came out about, you know, the Cosby suite that was going on like in 2013. Like it was such such a long time ago, but it's just like, okay, this was a thing that was happening. And yes, you know, people will give the argument of, well, no one knew how bad Cosby was in 2013. So clearly, you know, their Cosby suite wasn't, you know, a homage to him and like how awful he is. 
But it's like people knew. It's like, it, regardless of what it was called, the purpose of that suite was not, was terrible. The purpose of having that and the reason why they had it and the manipulation and, and all of that stuff of the female employees and things like that is just terrible. It's just these people with these huge egos being given power to kind of do whatever they want with no repercussions at all and taking advantage of younger employees who are trying to carve themselves a little piece in this industry that at the time and now kind of is very male dominated. Right. And you're just trying to get, (laughs) you're just trying to make your way and navigate through all the toxicity, all of the discrimination, everything, just so that you can do what you're passionate about. And you have to wade through all of that nonsense just to get your dream job. And it's just like, I, it's, it's hard. Like you put so much time and effort into learning a skill that one day, you know, your dream is to become a developer for a triple A company. You finally get it. And then you realize how toxic everything is. And then you have these people in leadership positions who are able to do whatever they want. And there's nothing you can do to fight that. You know, it's, you know, you think you're alone like that, you know, that one employee who, you know, took her own life. I mean, she, like, where was her support? And, you know, I'm sure she went to HR and I'm sure she, and I think she did. I think she, she reached out to people and nothing happened. Like that supervisor was still able to keep his job. Nothing happened afterwards. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think a single thing happened afterwards. The head of HR didn't step down until in these last few weeks. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. and you're only stepping down because you got caught. Like you could have just continued like allowing this culture to continue. And that's why all these people are stepping down now. It's because they were caught. Finally, like, thank goodness for whoever tipped off who like somebody higher than them. Because if not, this would have continued for, for who knows how long you would still have the same people in these same leadership positions doing whatever they wanted. And and just continue, you know, they continue to like harness that power to do whatever they want and not have anything bad happen to them. And it's like how it was able to continue for that long. I think it was just, they knew that nothing bad was going to happen to them. They thought they were untouchable. They're like, we're, we're continuing this, this now we're going to continue to keep doing it. Cause no one's saying anything to us. Our jobs are secure. And in their heads, they're like, nope, this is, this is just how we do things. And it's like, I don't, (laughs) it's, it's just mind boggling that it, yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think part of what I struggle with, with understanding is like how, how we can still have these environments that foster misogyny 
Um, you know, and I've seen a lot of people throw around the, this, this phrase of, of casual misogyny lately. And I don't think that that's a thing. <laughs> I think there's just misogyny. Right. Uh, there is or is not. Right? right. And when you call something casual misogyny, I think it becomes too easy to toss aside and not address. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I maybe that's part of the problem of why this was allowed to go on for so long because of the whole boys will be boys. Right. Oh, my God. But, yes. But I really struggle with understanding with the increased visibility of women in gaming, mm-hmm. like in the workforce and in enjoyment, um, you know, in participating as gamers and all those things. I don't uh, I don't understand. I just I really struggle with understanding how it's not addressed. If your company without women is still supposed to be a safe and productive place for people to work, then why does adding women to that make it suddenly a problem for you to adhere to your HR policies? Right. <laughs> now, well, now you're just asking like the hard hitting questions that no one <laughs> is able to answer. Like, On a philosophical <laughs> level, right? should we even allow women to leave the home to work? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and unfortunately, I feel like that's where some people would go, you yeah. know, that, that, you know, I mean, that's how that's how we get to that's how we get to like these extremist communities. That's how we get to things like Gamergate, you know, right. where people are like, well, women just don't belong here. Like, what do you mean? I don't belong here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the whole well, you the, the, my favorite is, well, that's just how the industry is. If you can't take that then perhaps the industry isn't for you. Okay, so I don't understand that. Why is the industry, why does it have the belief that it's that way? Because I guess it's because it's just been, it's just been the culture that it has been for so long that it's like everyone has has accepted it. It's it's the strangest thing. It's like we've all know that this is that this kind of stuff has been going it goes on in the gaming industry as much as it goes on in any industry, right? But it's just like, it's just so widely accepted. And it's just like, I don't know why. I think it's just because it's just more comfortable than like having to actually address the root problems because it's going to take too long. It's going to be too hard to address it. There's no way it's going to change. Like, it's just too much of an effort. So it's like you either put up with all of this nonsense or maybe this industry just isn't for you. And it's, it's, you know, and it's like, I don't see why it's that hard. But apparently it really is because it's still happening. It's apparently super hard to change views of, of women in gaming and... You know, the idea of equal and fair treatment and the idea of, well, maybe you shouldn't be sexually harassing people at your workplace. Like you can just not do that, right? You can just wake up in the morning and decide perhaps I shouldn't, you know, sexually harass my female coworker or like try and manipulate this person in some way or, you know, say something like, 
you know, sexually inappropriate to somebody. <laughs> like, like yeah, because I wondered, like, like, well, is it because it come, stems from the misogyny of the objectification of women, and then game designers and character designers are implicit in in perpetuating that because of the way that we draw women and portray women in media, but. Like you said, you could just wake up and just not be an asshole, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, I, like you still know how to behave regardless of the way that, you know, the characters look in WoW once you when you put armor on on a female elf versus a male elf, right? Like you still know that it's just anatomy, right? <laughs> like you don't have to be an asshole, <laughs> right? You know, or just because your buddy is being a misogynistic asshole doesn't mean you have to be. Like, yeah, just, and you should actually step in yeah, and make him like, not be. You're like, hey, dude, bro, um, what you're doing right now is actually real shitty and perhaps you should stop. Like, what's why are you why are you like that? <laughs> like, you know, stage an intervention, step in, do something. Um but apparently that it's also like too much work. And even you talking about like the wow characters and kind of like the hypersexualization of women in, in actual video games from like, I remember that one video that kind of resurfaced from like BlizzCon 2013, 2014, where that female gamer asked the panel of wow devs, like if, if it was possible for them to not sexualize the female characters in WoW as much as they do. Like if there was any way that they could not do that. And the panel was with JL and Brack and, you know, other people that were named in the lawsuit and they laughed at her. Oh, they did. Oh, have you, have you seen that clip? There is, no. this, there's this clip of this, of this poor girl. Like she stood up, of course, it was, you know, pretty, pretty much predominantly male um, in the audience. And, of course, the full panel was nothing but guys. Uh, it, was a, it was a wow panel. This poor girl goes up there, and, you, and she knows, like you could tell, she's very nervous about what she's about to ask. And she, had, you know, she talks about how great wow is and things like that. And then she's just like, you know, she brings up the question about the sexualization of the females in the game, which, you know, is a good point to make, right? It's a good question to ask. It's just like, Hey, could, is there any possible way that that could change? And they like Jan Lebrock was the first one to laugh at her. Oh my God. And then you could just see the rest of the people behind her kind of like chuckle as well. And they didn't, they didn't answer her. They didn't give her much of a response. And then they just kind of sent her on her way. And it's just like, yeah, that right there is the exact reason why <laughs> that right there, that right there is why we know that this has been going on for a real long time. The fact that they couldn't even be bothered to address something as kind of serious as that. Like that's, that's always been kind of a question um, you know, that's always been kind of a concern. Um, you know, some people don't mind it. 
you know, some people do is sometimes I'm like, what's the point? Like, why do we need to like, why does female armor in games have to just be uh, on their test and like hardly anything else? I'm like, that's not practical. <laughs> it's not practical and it drives me nuts. <laughs> it drives me insane. I'm like, if I'm going into battle, I just don't want to cover up like the top part of me and wear a crop top of armor. Because somebody's going to cut me on my stomach and then I'm just, I'm, I'm going to die. Like, you know, I think that's something speaking, that I, <laughs> I really appreciated about the uh, female characters in the Overwatch lineup. And I mean, you know, I, I am not here to say that we need to desexualize all characters, male or female, um, in video games. That's, that is, I don't think that's the point, right? Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, cause you can, you can make great looking characters without overly sexualizing them. Right. Right. Uh, and, and when I look at like the Overwatch lineup, even with Widowmaker being the most obviously sexualized character, she's still, she's not sexualized in a way that's necessarily created just for the uh, quote-unquote male gaze mm -hmm. it's more her confidence and appreciation of her own body mm -hmm. right like i look great because i was a dancer for all these years so this is what i'm gonna wear because <laughs> i have fucking rocket right right and and that, i mean that's just that's just the personality that she's also written with and i think too often we see in games women that aren't written not that any of these Overwatch characters are, you know, extremely deep, but we see too often women characters that are not written as deeply. And right. and I know people out there are going to be like, well, still the predominant audience for gaming is males age 13 to 25 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, but that argument is quickly becoming dated, you know, like, yeah, they're predominant today. But I not that I looked up numbers, but I don't think that it's quite the chasm that people are imagining that it was in like the 80s or 90s right. when you and I started gaming, you right. know, there's a lot more equality and representation of women gamers and developers and journalists and, you mm -hmm. know, media representation overall that. Yeah, why why does Sylvanas not get abdomen armor, <laughs> abdominal armor? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I would agree with that. But even when we were growing up, I mean, it was really easy to develop a female character that didn't have to be like hypersexualized, hyper right? You had Metroid, yeah. you had Seamus, you had Zelda in Link, you had even Princess Peach was walk, was was rocking a really cool gown and a crown. In like Super Mario 2, right? And she still kicked ass and took names. Like she could float. Like it was super awesome. It was super awesome. And you didn't have to like, you didn't have to change what she was wearing to appeal to uh, to the male gamers back in the day. Like they were just. Shoot, you even had Birdo in Super Mario 2, who right. was just, just Birdo. Yeah. You know? Right? I mean. 
but yeah, so going back to that video, uh, it wasn't in 2013, it was in 2010. And, you know, they've now apologized, right? Like some of the developers that were in that panel have apologized for how they responded. And it's just like, it's so disingenuous and so insincere that it had to be 11 years later where you can finally reflect on what you said 11 years ago and apologize for how poorly you address a very important question or a very important concern that one of your fans who gives money to you had question and concerned about. But yeah, I mean, if you ever see the video, it's awful. Yeah, and- we'll li- we'll link it in the show notes because I I I want to see that. I'm I'm very disturbed and upset by that because they could have at least had an answer, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that it either comes down to like aerodynamics or efficiency of movement or maybe because the women traditionally weren't warriors in their society so they had to use secondhand scraps to make their armor you've got any fucking thing you can say (laughs) instead of just laughing at her you know (laughs) yeah it was like yeah it was like a it was a chuckle and like some snide remarks and i don't really uh I don't remember what everybody said uh, to that question, but it was just like, oh, it was terrible. It was really bad. I think that for representation in gaming, having a greater diversity of female characters in body type and personality and in clothing is huge because it seems that when I talk to a lot of, of other women gamers, we have a greater preference for playing a character um, that matches uh, that that we can relate to, right? Gender wise, mm-hmm. and and I think that, uh, and I don't I don't mean to make this all like very binary, but I just it just like when and I think that we talked about this before too, and I know I've tweeted about it. Like, what other games are there that have? female protagonists for the game because there's so few and it's not that I just want it as an RPG character choice creator choice like I want straight up a game that you know it has like a Laura Croft even though she's hypersexualized you know in her body style yeah I mean I get I get having having the sexualization as a type of expression mm-hmm. for for male or female gamers. But at the same time, like, I also don't always want to be the person in tiny armor and high heels in the party, you know? Like, I want to look like a badass <laughs> still. Right? That's why female Shepherd is my girl. <laughs> yeah, Femshop is, is amazing. Is, yeah. I'm like, there you go. Can we just have some of some of that once in a while? That would be fantastic. And keep doing that. Um, but yeah, going back to this whole lawsuit, it's, you know, yeah, some people are stepping down. Some people are being let go. But I feel like everything's kind of moving at a snail's pace now, which I guess is to be expected. There's a lot going on. I guess we will see what happens when... You know, they finally go to court and address the lawsuit. 
Um, but I mean, this has been going on. I, we talked a little bit before before the show started ab- about Gamergate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so Gamergate really kind of bubbled up in 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're in 2021, right? And these issues are still present <laughs> for women in the gaming industry. So when you talk about a snail's pace about this lawsuit, I think it's a snail's pace about the entire culture. <laughs> and True. and I yes. know I know people get mad like, oh, it's a culture war. And, oh, and 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 again it goes back to, well, maybe women just shouldn't be there if they don't belong. Like right. who are you to tell me where I don't belong? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I would like to see you pry my PS5 out of my hands. Uh good luck with that. Um because I think it's important for us to be to analyze and be critical of you know things that we are passionate about and in in no way should we just sit idly by and just let this stuff kind of stuff continue like if we're if this if this industry is going to improve in any way it's really going to be a place of equality diversity and inclusion we have to start addressing all of the issues that are preventing this, all, all the good things from happening. Um, because we have let a lot of things slide for far too long. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that people are finding their voice. I'm glad that people are banding together. I'm glad that, you know, everything that's happened in Blizzard, however, you know, it's horrific, but I'm glad that it's actually it's actually motivating people to speak up more and say more things and to put themselves out there because that's where the change will come. Um, and I'm hoping that the co-leaders of Blizzard are really listening to their employees when it comes to moving forward with things. Um, Why did they make co-leaders for yeah. this? <laughs> I have you know, I, I wish I knew. I feel like it's like I know that co-leader is the official title for for the two of them, both uh, Jen, Jen O'Neill, Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra um, are the co-leaders now at Blizzard, which is just kind of interesting to me that there are that there even is like co-leaders but uh take what you can get at this point i guess <laughs> like because you know and it's 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 a smart move to have both jen and mike kind of in the co-leader position because they're both outsiders for the most part like jen just started at this beginning of this year um she was the head of vicarious visions right and that was just acquired by blizzard and they're the ones working on Diablo 4, I believe. And then Mikey Barra came from Xbox. And, you know, he's only been there since 2019. Smart choices, because the last thing you want to pick are people that have been with Blizzard throughout all of this, right? Because it's just going to be replacing, replacing one person who was deep in all of this with somebody else who might have been also just kind of like letting this, this kind of toxic culture uh, continue on. So you bring in two new people, smart, 
make them co-leaders, which is interesting because it kind of assures that one is not above the other uh, for the most part. But then it's like, well, what are you specifically co-leaders of? I get it. You're co-leaders of Blizzard, but is Jen overseeing like certain aspects of Blizzard and Mike is overseeing other aspects of Blizzard that hasn't really been, that really hasn't been explained and it hasn't really right. been hasn't really been explained on how they are going to share the leadership role at Blizzard. Um, well, so- and Jen O'Neill uh, is not that much of an outsider to Blizzard um, because, be as you said, being part of Icarious Visions, so she's been kind of within the Blizzard culture. Kind for, of. Um, well, like Harris Visions was just brought into Blizzard like five months ago. Okay. Give or take. Like she is an outsider in the way that she was never a Blizzard employee. I mean, not until recently. I see. She was just a Vicarious Visions mm-hmm. uh, senior leader, vice yeah. president or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so she hasn't really been a part of blizzard blizzard for very long like she as i said she just joined you know this year it was kind of like thrown into all this stuff because they're um because that they were just acquired so she you know at least she can say i was not a part of any of this because i wasn't even around because she Mm -hmm. was not in any leadership position at blizzard um and then you know uh Mike, you know, has been there for only a year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, a year and a half. And then most of that, most of that tenure has been uh, through a pandemic. So it's like everyone was working from home anyway. Um, and so I guess you couldn't see, couldn't really uh, see a whole lot going on, I suppose. Hopefully with minimal misogyny <laughs> right. and sexual harassment yeah, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. Who knows? But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what changes come about because I know you know the lawsuit is happening, and I know that the employees have you know pretty much made the demands known. It's just one you know even even though it might take time, I feel like things need to have happen quicker than uh, Blizzard wants to see happen because these people need to see some movement like it's one thing to like have Brack like step down it's one thing to lose those three you know those those three devs for well, Warcraft and Diablo 4 but it's like okay well how about the things that they asked for because those need to happen much quicker um, I feel like a lot is on the line <laughs> for Blizzard at this well- point I think with a lot of sponsors reevaluating mm-hmm. their relationship, um, especially with something like Overwatch League, you know, I mean, you've got sponsors as big as Coca Cola mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, we're stepping back and reevaluating things. Like, that's probably, it's unfortunate, but money makes the world go around, baby. Yeah. And once they see, like, that they're losing that sponsorship on Overwatch League, they're like, oh, dang, maybe we do need to fix some stuff. Yeah, hit them, hit them in the wallet, right? Hit them where it hurts, which is, you know, money, and then start seeing, like, things actually happen. N- nothing to do with, like, you know, 
employee well-being or morale or like any of that stuff. But once you start affecting the money, then you can finally start seeing like things happening. <laughs> like mm-hmm. It is amazing. It is amazing. You know what I think is is pretty disappointing in all of this is that it t- if you go to Blizzard's site mm-hmm. and click on news, mm-hmm. since July 20th, there's only one news item that can make you, like, as a casual uh, visitor go, huh, I wonder what's going on at Blizzard, right? <laughs> and that one news item is new leadership at Blizzard. That's it. That's it. Everything else from July 20th to today's recording is updates about games new seasons of games and just like business as usual that's it there's nothing else and even (laughs) even in the press even in the press section right right right. where normally you could go and grab a pr release about anything that's going on it's not there yeah it's not there so i do have some concerns that i I, and i'm this is why i'm so glad that you brought it up that that you're like you know what i think i think we need to scrap the plans (laughs) that we had for the the season opener because this is not being talked about yeah uh and it and it has gone very quiet and i know like that there are other big outlets out there you know like forbes and vox that are still trying to cover mm-hmm. um and and keep the spotlight on the story but there's nothing no. <laughs> i mean people are reporting the news as it happens right like the, the yeah. three uh blizzard guys i think was fairly recent now as you said you know business as usual you know hey hearthstone has a has a new expansion uh, you know, <laughs> Call of Duty has a new season. Season five started, everybody. Like, <laughs> super, super business as usual. Um, if, if you, if you were a co-leader of Blizzard, man. what would feel like the appropriate change? Because it's, as we were saying earlier, it's so deeply ingrained in the development culture overall, right? Like from Ubisoft to Blizzard to so many other companies, it just keeps coming out and out and out and out. How can, how could Blizzard be better? Oh man, there's going to be dead silence for like a second. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess that's I mean, kind of the answer that right. it's like, it's a really big question. It really to, is. I mean, I, like you, it's a change of culture from the top down, right? Yeah, it really, it, it is. I mean, it is, it's hard to, it's hard to answer because, you know, the issues at Blizzard and, and really everywhere is so prevalent everywhere. It's the culture, right? It's everyone accepts that because you have to try and change the viewpoints of the people in charge, that the change that you're requesting is a good change and will be for the better. And, you know, how do you address it? Like you have to, you know, you know, looking at uh, the demands, right? The demands that the uh, Blizzard employees were, are asking for. All right, you start there. You start there and you try and do what you can, right? You ask the employees, well, how can we make, what can we do 
to make you feel like you are a contributing per, you know, member of this company that you're being listened to, that you, you know, we're treating you fairly and with res the respect that you deserve. Like, how do we do that? And I think that that's, that's where you start. You start asking the employees, like, what do you want? And so the employees have been very vocal about what they want. So that's where you start. You start looking at what they've asked for and you start moving forward with that. And you start talking to the employees. You start getting their stories. You start understanding where they're coming from. You start listening to what has been going on. And yeah, it's going to take a while. I mean, if you really care about the people that work for you, who develop these games for you, then you have to start listening to them. You have to sit down with them. You have to hear their, you know, especially former employees that left because there are so many employees that left that started telling their stories when this lawsuit came out. And I know that some of the higher ups like reached out to, to some of them to kind of hear their stories and things like that. But it's like, okay, now you've heard their stories. What are you going to do with these stories that you've just heard? What was the underlining themes? What was the common themes? What was the common thread through every single one of these employee and ex-employee stories? And how are you going to address that? And then you, you know, come up with a plan, come up with an idea. If it means firing people, if it means restructuring, if it means sitting down again and reevaluating the values that you say that you guys follow every single day when you step into, you know, into the campus at Blizzard or Ubisoft or wherever, like, you know, it, it's a lot of self-reflection and then using those lessons and trying to turn it into something positive because at least you're giving people a voice at that point. And it's not some tone deaf response, yeah. you know, like, like right off the bat and completely dismissing everything that everyone has ever said, because you're like, oh, no, this is frivolous. And it's only it was just, you know, sent out and definitely wasn't our culture. And it's like, no, actually, newsflash, it was your culture and it was your culture for a really long time. So now what you have to do is you have to shut it. And listen to the people that have been damaged by your inactions. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like that. And buying into your own core value right. of every voice matters. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Listen to that particular value. Like, like that has always been like one of their main values. It's like every voice matters. And now we've learned that in fact, no, that definitely was not a thing that was happening because definitely mm -hmm. not every voice mattered. Only the people at top did their voices matter. Everyone else was silenced or intimidated enough that they felt that they couldn't say anything or alone enough that they felt that they couldn't say anything or, you know, just trying not to cause waves because they were afraid of what would happen if they said anything. They're afraid of the, unofficial retaliation, the blacklisting, the yep. all of that stuff that would be detrimental to their career of something they've worked so hard to try to achieve. And so therefore they just had to deal with it. And that's terrible. It is terrible in this, in this day and age and in years past that somebody was made to feel so small that they couldn't say a gosh darn thing. So 
I guess that's what I would do. That was a long answer um, <laughs> to say that that's, I feel like that's where you start. It's like you have no choice. You can't sweep the sun in the rug anymore. You can't just say like a bunch of like, you know, you know, bunch of buzzwords is that you know oh no i understand how you feel this is Mm -hmm. all on me like i take full responsibility and it's like yeah you're fucking right you take full responsibility now what are you gonna do as (laughs) what are you gonna do to like make deep impactful changes to your workplace because you have created such a toxic environment (laughs) that that no one like it's, it's so bad that people walked out like clearly you have always been mm-hmm. doing something wrong and now the people uh, who work for you are now saying something what do you think the average consumer could do because that's that's kind of you know it's all well and good to cover it from a media perspective and to make the consumers aware but there's I think <laughs> You know, I told you I told you before we started that I had kind of a surprise question for you, kind of related to this. Right. That, you know, is there such a thing as a consumer where you can say just I love the game. I don't care what's going on at the company because I love the game and I'm still here to support the individual employees who have jobs and lives based around making this game or you know i know somebody who works on that game and they're not like that and so i'm just i'm just here for the game Mm -hmm. is that such a thing as a as a responsible consumer or what are what is our recourse right as just regular regular people (laughs) regular 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 joes um i think there is i think and it's is a delicate it's a delicate balance with that right because me i've loved blizzard since diablo diablo was the first pc game i played uh diablo 2 uh kind of changed my life in in a multitude of ways um you know i've been to every blizzcon i've bought every blizzard game almost day one you know i've i've always supported it you know i had friends who worked at blizzard i interviewed for blizzard because i was one of those starry-eyed people who wanted to work for blizzard you know so all of this really is disappointing and it hurts from a fan standpoint to see that how bad it was right but i can't help but feel for the developers that had to deal with all of that because you know you go to BlizzCon and you meet a lot of developers and they're very nice people who only want to make the best possible games they are passionate about what they do they love the stories they tell they are attached to the characters that they've developed they're they're completely immersed in the worlds that they've helped create um but i think you can be you can love a game and hate the, the the people in charge of the company that made it. It's the same thing for the most part like Harry Potter, right? J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. is a horrible mm-hmm. human being. And there's a lot of people who will no longer buy her books, 
people won't see the Harry Potter movies into them. I stand with them for that. Like that is a, that is a good decision. That is a right decision for them. Other people on the other side will support Harry Potter because to them, Harry Potter doesn't belong to that individual anymore. It belongs to the community as a whole. In that respect, I also get that. And I, and I kind of gravitate towards that a little bit more. Like, I'm a Hufflepuff. That's who I am. Ask me about my Patronus. I'll talk about it. Yes, I will read the books and I already bought them. But do I like J.K. Rowling? No, I don't. She's terrible. She's an awful person. And I will not support things that she does. <laughs> like, But Harry Potter has gone beyond her. And I feel like games are kind of that in that respect too, right? We become a part of a community when we attach to ourselves to a game. I enjoy being a part of the Mass Effect community. I love the people in that community. I have friends in that community. It's the same thing for Blizzard games. It's the same thing for Diablo community. I love the people in that community. I have respect for the developers who have created that game. One, when Diablo 2 comes out, when Diablo 2 Resurrected comes out, I am going to buy that game. And I know that I will probably get a bunch of shit for it, but because that game belongs to me. I have memories attached to that game. I have emotions and feelings and thoughts attached to that game. And but I could still be super critical of Blizzard as a whole, and especially the leadership of Blizzard and what they've done. Um, and I will always try and be as outspoken as possible and support, you know, because a lot of the developers and things like that have also said, hey, you know, we appreciate you guys wanting to, to boycott and, you know, you guys want to stand with us, but we are definitely not asking you to boycott Blizzard as a whole. What we're asking you for is your support in our fight to bring about good, positive change in our company. And so in that respect, I will respect the developers. If the developers say, hey, don't buy our game, I'm not going to buy the game. Like if the developers say, Hey, we poured our hearts into this game, you know, here's Diablo four. We've spent years putting this game together. We are proud of the work that we've done. Then I will be proud along with them is kind of the, is kind of the delicate balance that, I, that, that I'm kind That's of. That's tough. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's tough. And it's tough. Like, I mean, cause like I was looking at my email about the Diablo two beta, mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, dang, I got the beta. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Blizzard sucks. Am I going to even play this beta? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then I started to think about I was like, can I cancel my pre-order? I need to go look at the terms and conditions of the sale. Right. Okay, all sales are final. Like, well, I don't even know that I want to play this game. But I was really looking forward to reliving this memories that I had of playing the game with my dad, you know, yeah. and and. And and then I and then I got real mad about Diablo four and and I and then I started to think like well I'm over Diablo I'm just all I'm just gonna go all in on Path of Exile like because right. it's the same feels 
kind of sort of you know it's kind of complicated but um but you know i just i was mad i was mad and and as you said like as a fan as a fan it really sucks it really hurts it sucks and it's awful and then you know i've canceled my rouse subscription i've uninstalled most of my blizzard games except for diablo because it's hard like i it's hard because you don't want to punish the developers because they're just trying to do their best in the situation that they find themselves in. They want to create these games. They love the community that they've helped foster. They like, they've done so much. And, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if I'm, if I stop playing Diablo, who am I really punishing? Because Bobby Kotick does not care whether or not I like if me the individual yeah. buys Diablo because he's still going to get his million dollar payoff regardless. Like who? Well, he doesn't if if the fandom does come together right. and say we're not, you know. But in the end, is he really going to be the one who's punished? Yeah, he might lose money, but then he might just sell off, you know, Blizzard and like earn more money, and he still gets to stay in the industry doing his thing maybe who knows but it's like okay who who you know it's it's hard it's hard like it's hard to get like thousands and thousands of people on board with like hey let's not buy job before when it comes out and see what happens because the people who are going to get punished are the developers not not necessarily like the leader leaders i mean they might get a you know stern talking to and like a slap on the wrist um, but who gets fired first? You know, and how crushing too to think about it even further down that line of like people people that work at Blizzard are as big fans and nerds about Blizzard IPs mm-hmm. as the as the average consumer gamer is, right. right? For them to be so excited to work on an IP like Diablo 4 mm-hmm. and then and and for probably many of the women on the team put up with all the shit they've been putting <laughs> right, up right. with yeah. all for all this time. And then and then suddenly Diablo 4 get canceled because Blizzard is canceled. That like it's like, wow, I put up with being hit on <laughs> at the coffee machine right. every damn day right. to make this stupid game that now none of you people want to play. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's. It's, I hadn't thought. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Like, how awful! What a shitty situation. Yes. I know. I it's, you know. It's I, terrible. I, there's a part of me that I was optimistic. I was like, we're going to come out of this episode. And we're going to solve the world's problems, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but ultimately, it just comes back to it. Fucking sucks. Yeah. And like, it comes back to like the the TSA line. If you see something, say something. Right. Do not let this fester. That is literally. The only way to change this for the better across any industry, right? Right. right. Do not stand for misogyny, right. casual or not. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like right. do not let your fellow coworkers of any gender be harassed. Like, just don't. Yeah. It sucks. You know. Yeah, and if you find yourself, you know, allowing it, you got check in that check into that uh internalized misogyny and see what's going on <laughs> and seeing what's going on with yourself 
Um, yes. And that happens for women too, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And not not only just because of fear of retribution, but because of the way that our culture is. Yeah. That we just see it and just go, well, that's just how they are. Yeah. You know, that's, like you know, if yeah, it's the internalized of like, well, if I can't handle this, then maybe I don't belong in this industry. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yep. oh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 rough. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and as I said, it's, you know, as, as, as the fan outside of all of this, it's hard. It's hard to, you do what's what you think is right. Right. It's, you know, if you want to boycott Blizzard, boycott them. No one should tell you otherwise. No one should tell you that you're being silly about it. No, you do what you feel is right in that situation. And it's also on the flip side of that. If you want to buy Diablo 2, if you want to keep playing WoW, then you you do that. But also just, you know, support where you can. I mean, if this is a if this is something that is truly bothering you, um, but you are stuck in that gray area of, you know, I can't boycott them completely because WoW means so much to me, right? I've met so many friends in that game. I have read groups like my guild. I can't, I can't say goodbye to my guild because I've built so many strong friendships being a part yeah. of that guild. It's hard in an MMO. You can't, yeah. you can't tell somebody, nope, you need to stop doing that. You need to say goodbye to all of those people because of X, Y, and Z. It's, it's hard. It's hard for some people to say goodbye to something that has been a part of their lives for a very long time. And I would never shame somebody for continuing to play. Well, I'll never shame somebody for continuing to play. What I might shame somebody about is if they see this as no big deal and they end up victim shaming the people who had to deal with all of this nonsense for the years that they had to deal with. Like that's when, that's when I'm going to have some words. It's like, like when you were just like, no, I mean, if they, if they couldn't handle being in the games industry, they might as well just not be in the games industry because that's everywhere. And it's like, all right, well, you are, you're a little bit of part of the problem. <laughs> like you're, you're definitely not helping this situation, but I feel like you sell your computer red. Yeah, <laughs> just get, yeah. Like get rid of all your stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I feel like there is a good response to this. There is a tricky response to it. And then there's the absolute awful shitty response to this. And if you're given the absolute awful shitty response to this, um, that's, that's, that's when I have a problem. So I don't know. Well, look out. We're going to send Ren after anybody with absolute shitty response. (laughs) Ren, I am, you know, this has been, this has been a tough episode because it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we try to be, try to be a little bit fair. Right. Um, but this is something that it's difficult to be fair on given the nature of the incident. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but I'm glad that I'm glad that we could talk through this. I, instead of, instead of us ending with like our, you know, songs and what we've been listening to this week, I think because we're in like this kind of shock and grief period, (laughs) right. 
Right. You know, I mean, you said you uninstalled everything, yeah. right? And so I have I, to ask, what are you playing instead that kind of helps fill some of those voids? Right. Where can they go? Um, well, where did you go? <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I started playing Mass Effect again because I was like, I need to find a comfort <laughs> game and quick. Uh, so that's what I started doing. But, you know, is Mass Effect like your grilled cheese game? It really is. It really <laughs> okay. is. It's like, yeah, in a situation like this, I'm like, all right, Femship, don't let me down. Like, let's, um, but, you know, there there are games like I know when the lawsuit happened, like people were like circulating, um, you know, if you wanted to boycott, like, what, like, wow or diablo or hearthstone or overwatch or heroes or warcraft starcraft here's some other games that you can try and i think that helps right like you know i love diablo um but i have been playing like grim dawn a whole lot which mm -hmm. feels very diablo-esque i mean it's an yeah. arpg it's top down it's you know you get drops you go and you know you know uh, you know, you go after a bunch of like monsters and whatnot. It's an older game, but it's a great game. So I have. I like Grim Dawn. That's yeah, a good one. Grim Dawn is a, is a great game. I know some people suggested like Path of Exile to me. You got to play Path. I, <laughs> apparently, I have to play Path. I got I got hooked on Path harder than I got hooked into Grim Dawn. I Ooh, really did. Okay, I'll, I'll have to check it out because the gameplay is faster. The oh, uh, okay the the way that the spells go off mm -hmm. feels more akin to d3 oh grim grim dawn feels like diablo 2.5 yeah in it a way really does. You know? i think that's why yeah. i was like this game is nice this thing this see and this that's why I, that's why i thought i liked grim dawn that is why i thought i liked grim dawn too because diablo 3 the art style I didn't quite vibe with, mm -hmm. right? And I thought things were a little bit too fast. Mm -hmm. And Path is like Diablo 2.75. <laughs> <feel like>. Right. <laughs> right. That makes sense. I, I will definitely need to check out Path of Exile. You know, and I know that for WoW, a lot of people went to Final Fantasy 15. Um, and I get it. I get it. Um, or 14 or 14 yeah sorry okay. um, but yeah like that's been an alternative for people um, Final Fantasy 14 is great if, if you you know if you're if you're looking for an MMO and you need something to fill the wow void because you're just not ready for it and you know you're not ready to get back into that just yet Final Fantasy 14 is great personally I I enjoy Star Wars, The Old Republic. Uh, it's, it feels it is slight, it's a slightly dated game at this point, but it's still a lot of fun. They're still, you know, putting updates into it and whatnot. It's still kind of a fun game. If you're into Star Trek, Star Trek Online is a phenomenal MMO that no one ever really talks about, but you do get to fly like spaceships. So that's that's okay, a good that's time. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you get to have your own starship and you get to be your, your own captain. You get to have your crew, you know, and I know that there's other scrolls. There's a lot of different MMOs out there 
that you could I'm waiting for New World. Yeah, but... you know, New World is coming up soon. Um you know until Amazon gaming comes out <laughs> with like some lawsuit about how much they suck too, because right. Amazon itself is toxic. Right. So <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Right. You know, you know, absolutely. I'm I'm waiting for it too. But like Overwatch and Heroes, they have their other stuff from like high res, right? You got Paladins, you got Smite, you got League of Legends, you got Team Fortress. You can you can play those games and it fills the void. I know a lot of people really, really enjoy Paladins. I know a lot of people enjoy Smite and League of Legends, uh, to fill that heroes, heroes gap, which heroes was one of my favorite games. I really enjoyed playing heroes of the storm. Hearthstone is a little bit tricky. I feel like Hearthstone is just kind of one of those games that's just kind of flying under the radar with a lot of this stuff, but there are other, other like deck building games that people can kind of dive into. Um, I get emails about Gwent all the time, which is the Witcher, mm -hmm. which is the Witcher card mm -hmm. game. All the time. I get too many Gwent emails. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, please stop sending me all these emails about Gwent. But, you know, there are, there are options for that as well. You know, RTS games. There's there's quite a few um, that that are out there that you can play if, if you're if you need a you need an alternative to like Starcraft 2. Um, so for me, it's really well, it's been a lot of Grim Dawn. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of good games out there uh, that you can play as an alternative to what Diablo what Blizzard has to offer. It's not going to feel the same for sure, but at least at least it kind of fills fills the void. It's hard, and as I said, there's no shame in playing the Blizzard games that you know and love. But to those who are like, I can't I can't look at a Blizzard game right now completely understandable and a completely valid response and so there are alternatives out there there's some really good games try you know there's indie games coming out that are that are phenomenal that you could you could try out uh, dive into final fantasy dive into final fantasy pixel remasters because those are awesome play a little bit of those but yeah yeah it's 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 a rough situation it's a as you've said it's really shitty. It's super yeah. shitty. That should that should have been the whole podcast. <laughs> Hello, welcome. We're gonna talk about Blizzard. It's shitty. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> if you would like more information, please follow us on Twitter yeah. at two the number two nerdybirds.com where we can tell you more about why it's shitty. Why it's super shitty. <laughs> you know, and I you know, I definitely people who have who are listening who are, are gonna listen to this and you know have some thoughts and feelings by all means share those thoughts and feelings with us. Like we've yeah. shared ours and kind of where we're at. Um, you know, so you, but can again, if you're coming out with some hot shitty takes, the worst mm -hmm. shitty response, yeah. as Ren said, we're mm -hmm. you're wrong. Yeah. Just putting that out yeah, there now. You're wrong. So wrong. don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're but coming yeah. at us with a, with a super shitty take, then yeah you could just unless your shitty take is to say that this is shitty yeah. so <laughs> and that's fine and that's fine and you can you can say that and we'll be like yep you're absolutely right we agree with you um but yeah if any you know if you've listened to this and you have some thoughts and feelings by all means you can message us you know tweet at us or 
tweet at us at, or send an email send if an you email. don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, we're at, on Twitter. We're at two, the number two nerdy birds on Twitter. You could email us. I'm Ren W R E N at two nerdy birds.com. I'm Jade at Jade at two nerdy birds.com. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I feel like this, these are things that need to be continuously talked about. And I know people still have yeah. thoughts and feelings about it. I know people are feeling guilty about wanting to continue to play builder games. I know that people are like, no, I can't do it anymore. I mean, and not even just Blizzard, right? It's it's just this whole entire topic in general that has been going on in the gaming space for a very long time. And not just games, it's also been doing it in games journalism as well. Like, it's just, it's just... It's just been around. It's just having to deal with this for as long as we that And I'm glad that people are becoming very aware, which is what we want to see, which is what needs to happen. Um, <laughs> I could go on. This won't be the... I will this, stop yeah. myself. I'm going to stop myself. Well, it's, it's okay because it won't be the last time that we talk about it, mm-hmm. about the industry in general and about uh, women in the industry. And... and, and I, any of our experiences that come up to next episode, we, we will be kind of maybe stepping back a little bit to, to get back into some of the pop culture mm-hmm. uh, deep dives that we had been doing. But, um, but that's been our show for today that uh, so hope, hope if you weren't, if you weren't informed before, hopefully this helped a little bit and yeah. We helped you feel better about the decisions that you might be making about the Blizzard properties going forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Until uh, until the next episode, we will see you there. We should come up with a tagline at some point. <laughs> tweet, tweet. <mother. laughs>